the real conversation when it comes to DR is about architecting resiliency rather than deciding about the technology of the platform. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. Disaster recovery, one of those tasks faced by CIOs and IT departments everywhere. Just the mention of it is enough to have a lot of IT leaders squirming in their seats saying, uh, yeah, we do that, all the while crossing their fingers. Today, it doesn't have to be that way. Today, there are technologies and services that allow the IT leader to answer confidently. Yes, we can recover our IT systems, whether it be from natural disaster, human error, or even cyber attacks. But the technologies and services can be confusing. On this episode, we're going to cut through some of the hype and provide clarity around disaster recovery as a service, specifically using the cloud either as a target or a source for your disaster recovery needs. Today, we're joined by InterVision's own Ben Miller. Ben is a senior solutions consultant with an expertise in DR and DR as a service technologies. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you having me on. Our listeners may recognize Ben's voice as the voice of our intro and outro on our show, a silky smooth voice that competes with Jim Nance's voice any day of the week. <laughs> ben, before we dive in, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Uh, I'll keep my day job, though. Uh, <laughs> Which uh, which really has been involved in cloud for for many many years. I've been with um, I've been dealing with uh, disaster recovery in the cloud for I gotta say it's been uh, twelve years now uh, as uh, one of the original members of Blue Lock, where we focused on disaster recovery as a service, uh, building and, and designing solutions uh, with that organization, as well as now focusing on delivering solutions to uh, InterVision clients. I've been working in the industry for uh, well over 20 years uh, and, you know, dealing with everything from co-location, uh, racking and stacking gear, providing managed services, and just kind of seeing how the world has changed uh, over the last 20 years uh, in IT. It it's, has been amazing. Now, now Ben's being a, a little uh, humble here because prior to becoming a solutions consultant for what used to be Blue Lock and is now part of the InterVision family, Ben was the product manager that really designed, envisioned and designed the disaster recovery as a service solutions that uh, InterVision provides today. So a lot of that credit goes to Ben and his team uh, over the years. I, I first became aware of DRAS or disaster recovery as a service back in uh, either 2011 or 2012. Back then it was called recovery as a service. And uh, I was a CIO and these guys from Blue Lock were in my office talking about this new 
way to handle disaster recovery. And it ended up being a, a fabulous option for our company at the time. I always joke and say I liked it so much I joined the company, which is not entirely uh, made up. It's probably one of the reasons that attracted me to this side of the business. But Ben, today, the disaster recovery space, I would say it's considered mainstream, uh, perhaps. I don't know if the analysts consider it mainstream, but it seems like it is past that tipping point. But there are still a lot of options and choices out there for the customers to consider if they're thinking of leveraging the cloud to help them with their DR problem. Why don't you give us a little bit of an overview of what the landscape looks like from, you know, the types of services that are available, the types of experiences that might be available? Yeah, the the landscape is quite different today than it was uh, a long time ago. Once upon a time, when you talk about disaster recovery, people's minds went to, okay, I have to have another data center or co-location space. I have to buy that second SAN I got a lot of work to do. I I have to make a copy of my production environment and figure out how to run it someplace else. And the wonderful thing is that the uh, IT industry has risen to meet that challenge to provide a lot of far better solutions that are available today. Back when we were uh, Blue Lock talking to you, Jeff, the idea of being able to replicate data out from your data center up to a hosted cloud solution was a a fantastic step forward in the solution world. Now, even since in those years that have passed, the ability to be able to choose what type of premises that you want to leverage for your disaster recovery, uh, whether that's full public cloud, uh, one of the big three, whether that's a hosted service provider, whether that is one of your own data centers or co-location managed data centers, uh, all of those are available as solutions for a target. And they all have different footprints, different use cases, dollar signs attached to them that allow different experiences. In addition, there are, like uh, InterVision, there are people who provide different levels of service along with those. You still have the do-it-yourself. You know, I have a really good team. I'm going to leverage them to build out the solution and run it. But uh, what we bring to the market and what we're seeing a lot more is the ability to have an assisted uh, model, which is where you, uh, I would liken it to building a house where your DR plan is building a house where the contractor will come in, work with you, construct what is needed and hand the keys over to you. And from that point, you know, hey, that's great. You've got a house. You didn't build it yourself. Uh, you got a DR plan, and then your team can pick up from there uh, and, and run the solution. But on the top of the pile is the fully managed solution, where you're not just getting the keys to the house, but it's that fully, uh, fully taken care of experience where you have uh, an additional team who is you know, not only helping to construct the plan, develop, implement it, create the playbooks and run books, but also to manage the environment, make sure it's running, and to be able to urge the cadence of testing that needs to be taken care of, execute those tests, and ensure that it's being done. So a real choice of where 
to DR, whether that's public or private, and a real spectrum in terms of the kind of assistance that you get in that process. Well, and you mentioned the doing it, uh, doing it in-house, being able to select a tool and then implement a solution and, and doing DR in-house. It's similar to the way that IT departments have addressed that issue. Going back to the dark ages when I started in information technology and, and we backed up to tapes. And as you described, we had a secondary data center that we didn't own, we leased as part of a DR plan, and you had to go through the exercise and, and do all that. So today's technology has helped that a great deal with the replication technology, and it provides a shorter recovery time objective, a narrower recovery point objective, but it, it doesn't cover everything, right? I mean, as we talk to clients and prospects, it's not just their virtual environment that they're concerned about. And these replication tools really focus predominantly on the virtual environment. Is, is that, isn't that correct? Yeah. And, and actually the tools conversation is a slippery slope. It's a, it's a shiny object that a lot of times uh, IT can get caught up in. You know, is this a virtual, a tool that will replicate virtual? Those are, are coming out because of the sheer percentage of IT environments that are virtualized. But there are a lot of situations where not everything can be virtualized, whether those are appliances or whether those are uh, physical machines that have licensing or other requirements that force them to uh, uh, remain physical. But that, that conversation about tools is, like I said, a slippery slope. What the real conversation is when it comes to DR is about architecting resiliency rather than deciding about the technology of the platform. The business has to understand and document out what the requirements are for their ability to execute. And, and I use the term resiliency because there may be applications that need to have 100% uptime. They need to be up all the time, but not every application. And then we start going down the tiers of, okay, well, then what is an RTO that these applications uh, will qualify for? And we start with that conversation of what the business needs for their resiliency plan rather than, hey, what kind of tools do you have or, or what kind of, of environment do you have? And then we work through it from a business perspective to work out, okay, well, because you have this mix of virtual or physical or non-Intel, uh, that uh, here is an approach that we can take. And that's where some of the most successful DR solutions will come from. I love that phrase, architecting resiliency, because uh, it really highlights the emphasis of this is not a, a push button recovery effort. There has to be some thought into it. In a previous episode, we talked about the disaster recovery runbook, and one of the one of the key sections of a disaster recovery runbook is the network, because that always seems like that's the most difficult piece to implement is the networking surrounding that. So uh, regardless of the tool, regardless of the methodology, you still need that that network to handle not only your replication traffic, but your testing for DR, and then if you need to fail over that failover. So it really is, it encompasses almost every discipline 
in information technology to architect the right solution. So we've talked about a couple of, couple or three use cases that we want to talk through today, Ben, to give our audience an idea of some of the decision making that goes into how do you architect this solution? What things should our listeners be considering when they're trying to identify what the proper solution may be? So let's start with I hesitate to call it a simple use case because there really is no simple use case when it comes to this, but let's talk about a a shop, an IT shop that is 100% virtualized. Maybe they've got a couple of dozen virtual machines and uh, talk us through the, the thought process that you would guide the clients through and what type of solution you might end up architecting for them uh, given that. That's great because, you know, there are a lot of situations where the entire environment is fully virtualized and that does make things simpler, especially with software defined networking, uh, SD-WAN capabilities, uh, VPN capabilities, direct connect to the cloud capabilities. So a smaller environment that is purely virtualized is a a simpler conversation, but there still are four components that we kind of talk through to understand. Obviously, we need to understand those business requirements. What are the RTOs and, and RPOs? How fast do they need to recover and how much data can they afford to lose in terms of time. You know. And and that's by application, right, Ben? I mean, that's just not a one size absolutely. fits all. Even on Yeah, a small absolutely. Shop. Even a small shop, uh, people once upon a time used to consider uh, email uh, as a non-critical application, but more and more people are putting that right in that tier one has to be up immediately. As a matter of fact, let's make it up 100% of the time because we need that to communicate with our team and our clients if there is a disruption. But not all of the applications fit in that space. Uh, Some of them are uh, important, but not urgent. So we'll essentially talk through, understand what tiers they have, uh, because for some people, tier one could be a full day. And for some people, tier one is this is always on and it's, uh, you know, highly resilient across clouds. So we, we, we work out what yep. those tiers are. And then we talk about understanding a little bit about their broader cloud strategy. Uh, a lot of organizations have dipped their toe into running some workloads, but some organizations are fully embracing a cloud strategy or an ecosystem, perhaps an AWS or an Azure ecosystem of services, as well as the, you know, just running the virtual machines. Uh, and then we talk a little bit about their mix, you know, of, of virtual or physical. In this scenario, you said that's all virtual. And, you know, again, that makes things simpler or less complex. And then we talk a little bit about those service levels. You know, I mentioned before, is it do it yourself or is it fully managed or somewhere in between? And then we talk to understand what the cost considerations are. Budget is always a consideration. You know, businesses aren't going to write checks for things they don't need. Everybody always wants to have the lowest cost they can, but there are some considerations around cost models, uh, predictability, uh, SLA guarantees, things that tie into those that cost because it becomes a balanced scale as you you know turn your RTO down, you turn your dollar signs up, uh, and and so that's an important part right. of the conversation. So understanding those four aspects about it, it helps us to have this conversation with the client. So with this particular and I would think, sorry to interrupt, Ben, but I would think on the costs and the budget, part of the challenge 
to help a prospect or uh, an IT leader to walk through is how do you account for, I'll use air quotes that no one can see and say the soft cost. It's easy to calculate the cost on the hardware, the software, the network and all that. But what about the soft cost? How do you guide that conversation? That is an important conversation, especially for somebody who's looking to outsource something that an outsider might look and say, well, IT can do that. Why aren't they you know, handling that aspect? We, we buy servers. Why aren't they taking care of the DR aspect? We just buy more servers. But there's oftentimes the aspect of the, the manpower, the, the time that goes into building designing, managing it, the experience uh, in terms of having an experienced partner to uh, assist with that and what what that cost would be. And there's a a quote from uh, one of our clients. Uh, They were talking about the ability to hire individuals and to support just to support their DR solution. And they said, you know, I have to be honest. Uh, And I told my management, essentially, I could hire a full-time person to do DR. But given the pressures within the organization for strategic and keep the lights on IT uh, initiatives, I would essentially at the end of the year have just another IT person and still no DR plan. Yeah. So it's important to, you know, step through understanding the people. It's important to, you know, uh, not underestimate the value of knowing the, the products in terms of the technology and the premises where those can go to. So leveraging a partner who can walk you through that is, is pretty important. So the, the simple solution, you know, in, in that you describe with a, a couple dozen virtual machines is a prime candidate to look at leveraging one of the main public clouds. Uh, some of the tools that do replication really well and easily, uh, leveraging perhaps a Zerto to do a hypervisor-based replication from a virtual environment up to a cloud that's very friendly towards that, like Azure, will allow fairly fast failover to that environment. Uh, would involve having to talk through some of the networking, like you mentioned, that's foundational, but with direct connections, VPN and SD-WAN, the ability to connect up uh, a failover environment is pretty simple. So a solution like you described, we walk through those four you know, considerations, talk through the soft costs, talk through the business needs, and then we'd be able to build a solution that might be able to leverage a full public cloud environment for replication and failover. So leveraging something like an Azure and AWS as a target, I think there's a lot of interest around that today. As I talk to people out in the uh, in the marketplace and talk to the analysts, but the public cloud isn't for everyone uh, yet. Jeff Bezos would want me to add the yet <laughs> on the end of that. Let's talk about a little bit more. In fact, a lot more complex scenario. I'm thinking of a health insurer, a health provider. They've got uh, HIPAA requirements. They've got intense security requirements. They probably have old, older legacy applications, maybe some specific storage requirements. So talk me through some of the nuances that you would work through with the client to to architect a solution and what would the end solution end up looking like for somebody like that? Yeah, a complex solution like that, especially uh, an organization that has been in the industry for a while, they're going to have legacy equipment, Intel and non-Intel based equipment. There's going to be virtual 
uh, environments, uh, large virtual environments, as well as uh, physical environments that uh, can't or, or haven't been virtualized, licensing constraints with large database uh, providers that you know have d- difficult licensing arrangements to work through. There's a lot of complexity there, not to mention the encryption at rest requirements, the encryption in flight, and then the detection and management, ensuring that the, the data that is being replicated and transferred is protected, not only in flight, um, and understanding that they're essentially expanding their perimeter uh, and that they need security in a DRAS type of solution that matches their own type of security. And so there's a lot more to this than just, okay, how do we replicate our data? Uh, Something like this is actually a prime candidate for a hosted solution. Uh, A hosted solution, VMware type based hosted solution is a good fit because it allows for the provider to add some more tailoring, allows for greater compatibility with their existing VMware environment. It also allows for the ability to bring in some of those physical hosts that need to be running on um, on at all times and are replicating via operating system level replication to be hosted next to the target in the cloud adjacent so that when they recover, the environment looks as similar to the source environment as possible. So, uh, you know, a hosted solution allows that level of tailoring. It allows that level of security. Uh, it allows that level of compatibility and the ability to address a lot of those uh, complex challenges with a, a mixed uh, environment that, that comes with a larger uh, and more legacy systems like that. So for something like that, you wouldn't recommend a, a target of an AWS or Azure, or was that part of the requirement that they would not, a client like that wouldn't even consider those platforms uh, Well, today. I think that goes back to, you know, the four conversations that you have. And part of it is what is the cloud journey that the client is, is on? Are they on a journey at all? Are they looking to move production environment into the AWS cloud, you know, or, or Azure cloud? Are they looking for that public cloud experience? There are some ways that a, a complex environment like this could be broken up to leverage public cloud but it adds complexity to it as opposed to a hosted cloud that could be tailored uh, to fit all the solutions. So instead of managing DR with one service provider, you're getting a real complicated mix of multiple service providers. But with, with some of the use cases I've worked on that are similar to this, uh, the requirement didn't come down the pipe to say, hey, look, we don't want to do uh, Azure or AWS, but here are the business requirements. And it just it was the best fit for those difficult requirements to go with a hosted solution. So Ben, we've talked about two different use cases. One, I'll call it pure cloud, right? The answer was let's uh, let's replicate to one of the hyperscale clouds mm-hmm. as, as a target. The other one, a far more complex environment in which uh, the, the best solution was a hosted cloud target. Let's talk about a hybrid, because I know a lot of our listeners deal with hybrid environments all day long. So in this, I'm thinking of a provider that uh, they sell a SaaS-based application. So that SaaS-based application was probably born and developed in 
the hyperscale clouds, but they're backend systems that uh, run accounting, payroll, ERP, everything else is more traditional, more on-premises, virtualized, and maybe some physical. So talk through those four areas that you consider as you're building out your recommendation for architecting their resiliency in a hybrid environment like that. What types of things do you consider then? Certainly. And, and I think it's important. There are, there are more and more companies that have some sort of footprint in a hyperscale cloud. And first of all, part of that conversation, too, is to determine how they're choosing to protect that. Just having public cloud doesn't mean you have a DR solution. So has the application been architected for resiliency in the public cloud? Availability zones or multiple zone resiliency. And so in the case of a large, you know, medical information warehouse type of solution that's, you know, selling a SaaS application, in this particular case, that's the first step to protecting the hyperscale cloud environment. The next step is talking about that recovery experience in terms of that premises. Do they want to recover into the hyperscale cloud? Are they looking for multiple different kind of cloud requirements? So the use case I'm thinking of here, they were actually looking for multiple types of cloud to protect against any one type of cloud outage. So, you know, taking the same workload up to where they're running their other workload didn't really make a whole lot of sense. It also uh, added some complexity in terms of being able to fail back out of the hyperscale cloud. The software is, is getting there, and I'm really excited about what the next couple of years will bring to be able to essentially run a workload anywhere and move it around perfectly, but there are still some bumps uh, in, in that road. And so taking a VMware-based workload up to an AWS cloud and back in a uh, amount of time that made sense uh, for the recovery needs, just, you know, it, it didn't play out well. So what we ended up doing in a situation like this is a making sure that the AWS hosted workloads were resilient. B setting up a, a VMware to VMware hosted solution so that the workloads that were hosted in their environment went to a VMware based solution, uh, hosted solution, so they could be very easily failed over, failed back, keep up with the compatibility. Their team already knew VMware; they were familiar with a lot of the nuances. The billing model was more in line with, you know, just buying CPUs and RAM and not necessarily, you know, having to calculate out uh, IOPS, uh, you know, for running workloads. So creating a solution that leveraged both the AWS hyperscale that's in a redundant way, as well as leveraging the hosted VMware-based cloud really felt well with this client. And then the final piece that, that tied it all together was the ability to this particular client, actually, we helped them go through an exercise to identify and make sure they had everything tiered out according to their recovery tiers like we talked about. But they were certain that if they did fail over, there would be essentially a department that would raise their hand and say, we forgot about such and such. And so they wanted to be able to ensure that their backups were stored in a uh, hyperscale cloud in a fashion that they could be pulled back and brought into recovery, maybe not within that first couple hours or four hours, but eventually that everybody would be able to get everything that they needed back. As you're talking to clients that have workloads in the hyperscale cloud already, do you run into the belief that, hey, they're running in AWS, they're running in Azure, they're running in Google Compute, I don't need DR? Uh, is that still a conversation that happens as you as you talk with folks? 
It unfortunately is. I mean, I've I've heard fairly recently a comment. I want to get moved to the cloud so I don't have to worry about DR. <laughs> and <laughs> that's a great feeling to get it out of your data center and turn off your data center and not worry about power and cooling and cabling and your spanning tree and whatever else might cause an outage in your data center. It's fantastic to hand that over that responsibility over to somebody who will give you an uptime SLA and who will promise that. But that doesn't guarantee that if there is an outage, an unplanned outage, and they don't have to be natural disasters, you know, human error, we've seen it in the big clouds, can cause significant outages. So just getting your workload moved up to a hyperscale cloud is a great step to getting out of the data center business and focusing on your own strategic business. But it's not the final step, making sure that your environment is still resilient to the level that your business needs it to be is critical. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben, you've known me for a long time. And so I'm going to surprise you with a question. Uh, (laughs) I like to do this at the end and ask our guests, what's the question that I didn't ask that our listeners need to hear the answer to? What's the message that you haven't been able to express to our listeners yet that they really need to hear? Uh, You know, you've been pretty thorough with the questions. I think more a simple restating the environment for disaster recovery is easier now than it ever has been. But the business has to be behind the level of resilience needed. They have to define their level of resilience needed before they're going to fund a project. I've, I've worked with a number of IT groups who are trying to push DR up into the management level. The plan for resiliency is not coming from the management level, but the IT people are pushing it. And it very much is pushing a boulder uphill and trying to get that knowledge and that uh, communicate that need for resiliency uh, upwards is difficult. So that is the first challenge in a business is making sure that the decision makers in the business are uh, bought in and on board and have defined a level of resiliency that the business needs uh, for the IT team to uh, search out and architect towards. I, I think that's a great message, Ben. And I know we run into that often where there, where you do have that disconnect between the C-suite and uh, the IT leaders in terms of resiliency, in terms of what are the requirements and what's the risk that the business is willing to take. This has been a great discussion. And I think for me, the key phrase that we've talked about is that concept of architecting resiliency, that it's not a tool selection process. And for our listeners that are contemplating or have a need for redoing DR or redesigning DR, look at it in that way. Look at it as architecting resiliency based on the business needs. And the the four areas that Ben highlighted, I think are crucial in a lot of IT projects, but in DR projects specifically. So you have to understand the business requirements. You have to understand what is your cloud strategy. If you're looking at DRAS as a solution, if your cloud strategy is to move to the cloud, maybe that's a first step along the path, but know your cloud strategy. And then your mix of virtual versus physical 
machines and how that plays into your business requirements, how that plays into your resiliency requirements. And then, of course, cost and budget is always something that has to be considered in IT. So you have to go into that knowing those things. So if you're if you're going it alone and you're trying to identify solutions, still look at those four areas. If you have additional questions, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide contact information and links. This is Jeff Tun for Ben Miller. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.